Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. ESNY. episode of the Hoops Addicts Anonymous podcast, an Elite Sports NY production recording on the evening of April 28th. It's a Wednesday, a little past 6 p.m. Another solo act tonight. Um, our guy Chip is going to be back for a couple of episodes here and there, uh, but we are, as always, pleased to be talking hoops during the week as the NBA season comes to a close. A lot of big games coming down the stretch. Playoff position is always a big topic. Um, to help us break down a, a team with, with certainly some news in recent weeks and um, a bit of a slip in terms of the standings in the Western Conference, we have a Cooper Halpern who writes for Silver Screen and Roll and also a, a Yankees fan, much like myself, writes for Pinstripe Alley as well. Um, Cooper, what's going on? Thank you for coming on the podcast, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, looking forward to chopping it up with you. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the first place where I wanted to start, um, you know, I, I, man, fifth or sixth in the West, 23rd in points, points per game per night, second in opponents points per game, four and six in their last 10. You know, the, the, up until their victory against the Magic, they were riding a three-game losing streak. Um, I, I think the first thing that stood out to me with the Lakers was just their offense, right? Even with LeBron being out, certainly five weeks, five-plus weeks is a long time. And any statistical advantage you have is, is going to slide. But what have you seen that's been wrong with their offense? And outside of LeBron just coming back, how can it be fixed? Um, I mean, I think, you know, we all know the Lakers are built around LeBron. I mean, the team doesn't, doesn't have a chance at winning a championship without LeBron, obviously, or, or really even winning a playoff series. So it's tough to evaluate how the offense looks when he's not in there. Um, I know one of the concerns was that they were only like 12th or so uh, in offensive rating before he got hurt. Um, So I think one of the, I mean, one of the silver linings of his absence has been, you've gotten to see a little more run from guys like Caruso, who was, you know, on and off the court earlier this year. I think he had a concussion, maybe another thing, but KCP's kind of found his groove a little bit, just like last year. He started slow and then came on stronger uh, by the time the playoffs came around. Um, and I've loved watching THT get some more minutes. And there are, I mean, it's it can look really rough when it's rough, especially on defense. But he does stuff that I don't think a lot of other guys in the league are capable of when it comes to his ability to to break down a defense off the dribble and get to the rim and, and even finish around the rim. So 
Yeah, I mean, the Lakers, like, they don't have a guy. I mean, Dennis Schroeder has has honestly he, – he started off rough and he's looked better, but they, but they don't have a, a top 10 offensive creator outside of LeBron James, which I think is okay considering, you know, they have LeBron James. So, yeah. assuming he's healthy when they come back, I think there have been some improvements from the others uh, that could help them in, in, in the long run, but um, – but yeah, it's tough to say anything definitive about like what their offense should look like when he's not in the picture. You bring up Taylor Horton Tucker and uh, a guy that I know certain draft sites, and I think he came out of Iowa State. Um, yeah. When he came out, I know that there was a lot of draft sites that were really high on him just based on his his length and shot creation, and like you said, ability to break guys off the dribble. His first couple of years in the league, uh, you know, weren't that great, but when when he did you think that we would be seeing kind of the development that we've seen in him this year given that teams that are typically um you know i guess really high up in the playoff hunt or perennial contenders there's not always this space for player development right it's really tough you you have your vets your guys that you rely on and most of the guys that teams choose to draft aren't necessarily a project they might be you know three-point specialists who can kind of come in and help the team right away did you expect THT to kind of have this growth were you high on him in the beginning um, or or has he surprised you honestly I was I was surprised I you know you can read the the draft evaluation and it's like yeah this guy has a seven-foot wingspan and and he moves pretty well, but he was a little chunky coming out of coming into the draft. And there wasn't a whole lot of like obvious shot creation um, in the little film that I'd watched. So I wasn't over the moon. I mean, he's a second round pick. I was like, you know what? At best, maybe this guy fills a rotation spot. But then, well, so last year he barely played. He played in the G League. Um, and I think he played in like six games. Um, and, uh, sorry, in the playoffs, I think he got a little bit of time, but, uh, not a ton. And then this, the, the preseason this year was when he really started to show off on a national stage, like all the different kinds of ways he could create shots. And he was drilling threes, which he, he hasn't done since, but. Then I was like, okay, there's there's really something here that I wasn't aware of. So so the rookie year, I was kind of not on board, even though there were some Laker fans really early on who were really all in. Um, but by the time we saw him again in the preseason, I was, I think, I think we could all see that there was a there was something kind of unusual there. And the Lakers bench, um, you know, which which Horton Tucker has been a part of, is certainly going to play a really important role down the stretch obviously in the postseason as well. But the bench rotations from Vogel have been kind of uh, criticized a little bit here and there. There's been guys, whether it's, you know, even Kuzma, Markeith Morris, um, even Montrez Harrell, I think it had just come off recently. And uh, they, players have been in and out, you know, even Gasol. Of some of the guys that I've mentioned, who do you see being kind of like a, a really big X factor from the bench come playoff time? So something I really like about what the Lakers have right now um, is they have kind of an embarrassment of riches when it comes to like all the guys that they can throw at teams on the bench. 
So I know that they've, there's been some weird sort of criticism about that, where it's like, oh, is Marcus Saul going to get any minutes? And there was a quote from him where he's like, you know, don't ask me if I'm in the rotation. I just yeah. work here, you yeah. know, which I thought was kind of a hilariously just sort of like, you know, uh, grumpy Marcus Saul. He's a sarcastic guy. So like, yeah, I, yeah. I don't even take that, you know, personally. That's kind of just him. No, he's, he's being like, this is my job, you know, yeah. like I'm not in charge. Right. I respect that. Right. Uh, but I mean, if, if we get Jokic in the first round in a four five matchup, like he's going to be useful. He's going to be a good big body to throw against him. Um, if we're going against a smaller team, like I'm just trying to do playoff rounds in my head, but uh, I don't know, like if we got the Clippers, like I think, Harold could be much more useful as a scoring option off the bench. I just, there's a lot of different ways you can, especially with the bigs. And now we have Drummond. He's another kind of rim runner, big body. Um, yeah. I, I, I like the, the line of versatility with THC when it comes to the playoffs, his defensive reliability is not always there. Like he'll miss a rotation and, and it'll be, really obvious and kind of frustrating defensively um, when he misses one, but he's also kind of a defensive playmaker with his length. So he'll make a plus play. He'll come on and grab a weak side block or, or stop somebody in transition or intercept a passing lane, but then he'll get blown by or back cut. And it's like, you're kind of, you're kind of like, it's like a plus one minus one situation. Right. So uh, if he can, if he can start to clean that up and I would imagine it'll come with time. I mean, this is basically as true of the season. He can, he can be that next guy in, in the, you know, wing guard rotation off the bench that could really make an impact. Um, but, yeah, I think I think it's hard to say exactly who even is going to start beyond, uh, you know, the obvious ones mm -hmm. uh, because that could all – it could all move around. Like we saw in the playoffs last year, Markeith Morris basically wasn't really playing for the Lakers much at all by the – middle end of the regular season like right after he was signed but yeah. by the time we got to the finals he's starting in final like every finals game right so you know i i don't i i watch the laker games and you see a vocal lineup that's just like without offense like there was a lineup during the magic game with without uh uh tht or Schroeder, and they just couldn't score so i just don't think that's a that's a line of construction you're going to end up seeing in the playoffs. Um, but it's, it gives guys a chance to get reps. You mentioned Andre Drummond, and that's somebody that I definitely wanted to talk about. Um, when he was kind of bought out and explained his, his plans in terms of like who he could sign with, um, you know, as a Knicks fan and, and as somebody who's on Twitter literally way too much in my life, <laughs> yeah, I, I literally heard fans, you know, I, just voicing a lot of displeasure, a lot of concern. If he was signed to the team, a lot of people think he's very much like an empty stats guy. And I wanted to ask you, what have you seen from him so far? What do you like? Uh, playing with LeBron, I think, covers up a lot of players' flaws. Um, so how do you think he can help them going forward? Yeah, I uh... – so he's another guy where it's like it's really hard to know uh, what he's going to look like when he's playing next to LeBron. Um, LeBron is easily the best player and playmaker he'll have ever played with. 
Right. I mean, like Brandy Jennings, you know, like those Pistons years. Like I, I'm not. I don't think Reggie, we've ever had Reggie a Jackson. I guess Reggie Jack. I mean, there's just not a lot of great nah. guards he's played with. So like, I mean, even even in Cleveland this year, like, I mean, we're just not. I mean, it's LeBron. Like, like he's just gonna find you in your spot. So again, like right now. He's been scoring in the post a little bit. He gets those like little like post touches down low. He does the flip shots occasionally back somebody down. Right. Like he's just not going to get those looks in the playoffs. I mean, if he is, that's not a good thing for the Lakers. Right. But I've been pleasantly surprised with like how how viable that's been in in like the short term. I don't think it matters in a month. So you know. It, there's not too much you can take from what, what we've seen so far. Yeah. I have seen him cash lobs, which I, which I wasn't necessarily anticipating. He's got a nice little bit of chemistry with Schroeder. So I think the catch radius was a thing that I wasn't totally sold on, but I've been a little pleasantly surprised. Um, and I'm hopeful to see what that's going to look like when somebody's hitting him in the exact right spots. I mean, the rebounding's good, but he, I mean, he's just, he's Andre Drummond, you know, he's a big body. He's not a very good rim protector, but you put him next to AD and like, that's going to be a lot of rebounds. So um, I, I'm definitely intrigued. I think he's a lot better. Again, like we have too many guys to play those big minutes next to AD in the, in the playoffs. Like last season, especially with those Marquise Morris lineups, like AD was pl played like 50 to 60% of all of our center minutes. So there's just not going to be time for Harold Gasol and uh, AD two or the big penguin, if you will, uh, to, uh, to, you know, get 20 plus minutes a game. But I, I think he's a great option as an, as an extra piece. Some, the guy who has to figure all of that out uh, is obviously Frank Vogel. I was reading a report that the Lakers are planning on extending him this offseason. Um, what have you liked the most about his coaching since he's taken over in 2019? You know, I feel like he's kind of – it's one of those situations where, of course, you want to coach LeBron James, but when you win, no one's going to give you the credit for winning team, yeah. which, you know, LeBron James is on that team. Uh, but what have you liked about Vogel? Do you think he's worth extending? What are your kind of thoughts on him thus far? So one of the trickier things for coaches, and you see this with like guys like Buds compared to like Nick Nurse, is like when you get in that playoff series and throw, somebody throws you a curveball, like can you make that lineup adjustment that, you know, keeps you in the driver's seat through the rest of that series? And like I thought Vogel did a great job of that last year. So – before that, I mean, it's, you know, it's one of those things like you don't know until you get there. And I think when he got there, he looked awesome. So he's obviously got a great defensive scheme. Like the Lakers have had a stellar defense since he got there. And with LeBron and AD bought in on the effort on that end, I just think like the floor is so high for this team because of how good the defense is. Like, like, you know, sometimes you make shots, sometimes you miss shots, but you don't, you don't play bad defense if you play hard every night. Right. Um, so, I mean, I trust him. I trust the lineup. I trust that he won't do the, you know, aggressively strange lineups that he kind of throws out every now and then in the regular season. And, and I think he knows that. I think something I've liked and I'm like, I'm way on the outside, but I like how like 
just kind of mellow he seems and like big picture he seems to be thinking at all times like you see him in the mid-game interviews and he's like that was you know I didn't like this I did like this but he's not like like a Rick Carlisle you know kind of like or like a Tibbs like just you know steaming in the middle of the game he's more even keel exactly exactly and like if you've got LeBron and AD like you gotta know that you know on on a Wednesday like you gotta remember what you have so I like that I think it's good for for the for the mix of talent and like these guys seem to really like each other I love the way uh LeBron is like coaching every night um and like Vogel doesn't seem to be challenged by him I think he loves he loves what he's got so I'm I'm a fan I think it's kind of something similar to um what what uh Bruce Arian said about Tom Brady leading up to the Super Bowl or it might have been post Super Bowl win but he said that um you know, I guess he's only been one other place. So he, he clearly is referencing New England. When he says that people didn't want to let Tom coach. And Bruce Arians kind of said in kind of a very humble way, he said, you literally have the greatest mind in the game, you know, on your team. You just got to kind of sit back and let him go sometimes. And I think Vogel is probably that way with LeBron. Um, I don't think maybe with him, it's not so much of an ego pull in terms of like, this is my team. It has to be my way. He's the coach, and, and he, he obviously has a set scheme that he wants to implement as well. But if LeBron wants to take over practice, you know, he's not stepping on his toes. Some other people might be threatened by that, but clearly Vogel isn't. I think, to your point, I think that's, you know, been benefiting them as, yeah. as well. Definitely. I think you can give Vogel credit for the defense because his defenses have been good whenever he's coached. I mean, the Orlando team was terrible, but – there was no talent there. So I don't think you can really totally blame him for that, especially now that this Laker team has been so good. It's like, okay. And he was good in Indiana and he was good at the Lakers. I think the Orlando years are kind of the aberration compared to, you know, when you see the big picture there, but I, I think part of that, like, you know, you've got the greatest mind in the game playing. Um, Like I think, maybe a little bit that this time without LeBron has been good for that because, and you had this with Kobe and this happens with LeBron teams throughout his career. When he goes off the floor, they're pretty terrible because he's so good. You want to just give him the ball and let him go to work and find people, but it does sort of like make the team extremely reliant on that. And they don't really know what to do when he comes out, comes out of the game. So just making them tread water right now with him out, I think has been helpful. And like Dennis Schroeder had a really rough first couple of games without LeBron and wasn't having a terrific season and has been markedly better since LeBron came out. So I, I think, I think, yeah, like LeBron, LeBron is a genius and like he is an offense unto himself, but it's been good for the Lakers to not necessarily have that for a little stretch of time. Yeah. And you got to believe that that's going to help them in the playoffs when he's not on the floor, they already have to figure out for five plus weeks, how to play without him. That's hopefully going to give them that experience to do that in the playoffs. Last Lakers question. I wanted to ask you before we mix a little bit of Yankee stuff in here. This is my favorite. I've been like, so obsessed with this question. I've been like posing it to people at work. People are like, like relax, but so here's my thing. If the, if the Lakers make it to the finals and they play the Brooklyn Nets and LeBron's Lakers end up beating a team with Kyrie Irving, James Harden and Kevin Durant, 
My honest opinion is that this GOAT conversation might need to be reviewed a little bit or at least expanded. To that, what would you say? So I've been thinking about this a lot. I think it's hard to go like, I actually think it's hard to even like address that narrow of a question almost. Yeah. But I think that this year is like an incredible legacy building year for a lot of the bigger names involved. Because like, yes, if LeBron, that'll be five for LeBron if he wins. Right. So that's, that's tied with Kobe. It's one off of Jordan and like LeBron's not done and he still looks really, really, really good. And the, and the, the counting stats are going to be, they're going to blow pretty much everybody except in terms of points, except for maybe Kareem, like way out of the water. So um, I think, yeah, if LeBron, and I, again, it's going to be matchup dependent, you know, like last year, people, the people had the critique of they had the easiest route to the finals. Like it's not the Lakers fault that the Clippers blew it, but right. they, they just steamrolled everybody they played, but you know, it could be, it, I don't know what's going to happen. Does Kevin Durant have a calf pull and they don't face him and, and they get the easy nuggets and then the, you know, like the jazz, I don't know. Like there's just, they might not see the Clippers again. It really depends on what the, what the, what the matchups will be to, I think, determine that how that narrative looks by the end of it. But yeah, but yeah, if, if he wins his fifth, there's a real, real argument to be had for him at number one. But I also want to say like, if the Nets win, like does that, that's got to change things for James Harden, assuming he's healthy. Yeah. And also Kevin Durant too. I mean, like, not that anyone is, is, you know, um, sliding him, you know, but uh, KD too, man. I mean, like, I I agree with you, the legacy building. I just think for my, for when I, when I try and look at the teams that MJ played against and some of the teams that LeBron played against, and I just feel like if you, if you beat a team with James Harden, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, obviously if, if health is an issue, then that changes the conversation completely. But man, I don't know if anybody would have beaten a team like that in any finals. And, I, and I'm just saying that off the top of my head. I could be wrong. But it, it would be, like, to me, a very fascinating conversation, I think. Here's my, here's my hotter, hot take counter to that. It's almost more important to the Nets guys' legacies than it is to LeBron's legacy that they win. I agree Because with you. you've got Harden, who's a, who's a quote-unquote, I'm using air quotes, choker. Right. You've got right. Katie, who's like the super team guy who just jumped ship. Right. And you even have like Mike D'Antoni and Steve Nash, who never won, t- never won titles and are like known as playoff jokers. So I feel right. like the lineup up and down, even like DeAndre Jordan, like the whole team, I feel like uh, even Blake, you know, it's yeah. just up and down the roster. You've got guys who've never gotten all the way to the mountaintop. So it'd be I, it's just even Chris Paul. The, the Suns have a chance this year. They, they're really a deep team. And, and he's, I mean, you could say exactly the same thing about him. So I just think, I don't even know if I'll be able to handle it. The amount of like <laughs> narrative building that'll be going on by the time the playoffs come around. I'm sure for uh, bloggers like us, it, it's only going to make things that much interesting when you're kind of yeah. right. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I couldn't agree with your, your last point even more. I, I think for the Nets, it's, it's really, really huge. And they'll, and they'll kind of try and play it off as, as much as possible. But um, especially with the way K, KD has kind of just handled any sort of criticism kind of like thrown his way, you know that this is something that would mean a lot. Um, yeah, I loved like a, a couple of weeks ago when he was still out. Um, 
the the I forget which team he was playing against, but they were they were giving him a KD sucks chant, and he was yeah. like, "Okay, why?" <laughs> I just loved his reaction to that. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. he was on the bench, right? I think he was. Yeah, on- he was like standing, but on the yeah. bench. Yeah, like yeah. to the side. I and he was just that. like, "Why are you guys doing this?" Right. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's an interesting one. Um, switching over to the Yankees. Yeah, sure. I, uh, I think my first question I want to ask is like, you know, we've, we've seen so much, I've been listening to talk radio so much, you know, regarding their struggles and, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that, that say they look like they don't have fight, you know, uh, analysts will say, well, yeah, it doesn't look like fight when you're not hitting. It's very difficult to look like baseball is a weird sport in a sense where it's like, you can't always just try harder and get success. It's it's, it's a hand-eye coordination. It's not always like that. But one thing that I have heard in terms of a narrative that makes sense to me, but I wonder if it makes more sense to you being someone who follows it more is that in previous teams where we've had success, even though I know success is always championship or bust with the Yankees, but milder success than that, you've had players in the locker room like CC Sabathia maybe Didi or, or some other guys that can maybe rally a locker room when things aren't going so well. For whatever reason, it doesn't seem like we have that type of player on the roster right now, or who knows, maybe Luke Voigt comes back and he is that guy. I don't really know. But do you buy that? Do you buy that as a narrative that the team is missing leadership and that's kind of ultimately what is making a slump seem even worse for us right now? Yeah. So I think there's kind of two pieces to that, right? There's like the, the fight and then like the leadership component. You know, I, I definitely kind of agree with you that the, the talk radio, like they're, they're not fighting at the plate and that kind of stuff. It's overblown, you know, like you're right. It's a hand-eye sport. Like it's, there's just like, if you're not, if you're not getting hits, you're not going to look like you're trying. I don't think it's fair at all to critique the Yankees for their effort right now. The whole, you know, Glaber didn't run out that, you know, like check swing chopper thing that he, he dribbled in front of the, in front of the plate the other day. And like, I just don't care. Like I, yeah. I'm not offended by that effort. Like that's very normal big league behavior. Um, I do think they would benefit from, uh, you know, it's almost like, it's almost like a Clippers issue, right? Like they've got like, like if Aaron judge is like Kawhi and like, Garrett, I, actually, Garrett Cole is probably the one guy who I would say is kind of has a has a handle on on the team and kind of people yeah. look to. But the pitchers are are kind of not the problem, right? So you'd love an offensive guy to be doing that. Um, Aaron Judge is honestly, I, I think his his success so far has been underrated. I think he's having a great season. Um, his batted ball is insane. He's been better than his counting stats, and his counting stats are pretty freaking good yeah um he's even chasing down at the bottom of the strike zone a little less uh there's a really good article on fan graphs about that a couple days ago um but yeah like you said he's not a he's not a particularly vocal dude and i think you could say the same like at least for the guys who are doing well they're like that and maybe the guys who are doing poorly like you could you could potentially get a little more out of like but they're not playing well. So like, like is, is Brett Gardner really going to be the guy who's going right. to rally the groups when he's batting a buck 50 or, or labor Torres who like, you know, he's had a couple of hits the past couple of games, but 
and he's clearly not performing up to par. So, yeah, I think it would be nice. It would be nice if they had, I don't know, an Anthony Rendon to just kind of a lineup stabilizer, but that's not what this team is. They're, they're, they're boomer bust. They're a bunch of lottery tickets. They're, they're guys with a super high range of outcomes, right? So this is not a team built on stability. And when they look great, they, they look like world beaters. And when they look bad, it looks like, I mean, they had the worst record in the American league as of like four days ago. So I'm with you. I think you're totally right. Ultimately then, if that's the case, are you just kind of preaching patience that this team that's been built with kind of like um, this boomer bust potential, we just have to trust the back of these guys, baseball cards that they will come around. They will, um, they will uh, perform, but if that's the case, and if it's not the case, if you don't feel that way, what do you think is wrong at the core of this team? Is Boom to blame at all? Um, is this more of an, an organizational decision-making based issue with Cashman involved? Um, where do you kind of see that? Yeah, so whether I do or don't think they'll figure it out offensively, I think they'll figure it out. Like, I think Glaber's had some better at-bats lately. Think he'll come around to a certain degree, whether or not he's going to be, you know, rookie season Glaber or even last postseason Glaber. Like, it'll come and go to that degree. I think he'll hit. I think, you know, I think Stanton's not going to bat a buck fifty. Like, he hits the ball too hard. He's swinging at too much stuff right now. He needs to lay off. He's just trying too hard, I think. But offensively, broadly, the Yankees are fine. Right. I don't think that was ever their issue, and it's. I mean, it's, it's the starting pitching, right? It's Garrett Cole and then just a huge gap and then everybody else. So Kluber had a nice start yesterday. Um, Tyon has like three innings of a good start and then implodes. It seems uh, I think Monty's pretty good now, but he's not at number two. Mm-hmm. I think Herman is totally washed. Um, uh, I don't think Davey's good at all. Um, I'm like kind of that. And and that's a Cashman issue, I think. So if the Yankees are going to be good, they have to hit. Yeah. That's how this team has been built. It's built on power. So, and sometimes they, they, they boat race teams and it looks great. They're not right now. That will come around defensively. They're terrible. So the floor is really low when they're not hitting they won't field and the starting pitching isn't very good. So it's going to look really, really good. And it's going to look really, really bad right now. It mostly looks really, really bad. I think some of the really good stuff is going to come around. like it has been, um, but the defense is a problem. I'm not a labor Torres believer. I've written like three or four articles now saying like, I just don't believe in him as short long-term he's too bad of a shortstop and with that kind of variance at that position defensively in terms of the value range of values you can get out of that I'm just like not I don't have a lot of faith in in that as like a winning contributor to a team um just if you think about like war like as offensively he can be as good as a four four win player maybe five Right. You look at like hit the quality of his rookie year, but he's like a minus two to three. And this year, infinity win 
win player defensively. So it's like almost entirely washing out his value into like at the best a two win player, wow. which is like, well, why didn't we just sign, you know, I get he's under team control right now, but in, in the long term, like you might as well just have some very pedestrian shortstop because the defensive liabilities are just wiping out his offensive value. So there are lots of little micro cashman issues I have that I don't understand. Um, and part of that's team building. I mean, the, the Kluber and Tyon sign, signings, I think it's too early to really say whether they're abject failures, but they don't look brilliant right now when you have Joe Musgrove and Carlos Rodon like absolutely shoving every time they go through the rotation. And like those guys were a third of the price of Kluber. So I don't, I don't think you can say, okay, he totally blew it, but he definitely didn't do the best job he possibly could with those moves. Right. So I, I'm not fully one way or the other at the very best, you know, it still could be amazing. You still, it still could be a 40 homer year as out of Stan. You still could get 32 out of labor and they could end up winning 95 games and if they go on a tear and Kluber could end up with a mid three ZRA and town could end up with it, you know, you could see all these things going well. It just like a lot of things have to break. Right. Yeah. You know, I can, I could definitely see that for sure. Um, Cooper last one before we wrap up. Yeah. Where do you think the Lakers end up this season playoffs prediction and uh, Yankees as well? If, if you want to give a wins prediction and, and where you think they, they finish off in the postseason as well. Okay, so so the Lakers, I think I think they're probably going to end up sitting in the five seed. I don't think they're going to fall anymore. They've I know that they are only two games ahead of the Mavericks, and that the Mavericks have the uh, tiebreaker. The tiebreaker, yeah, the tiebreaker. But the Mavericks haven't been <laughs> haven't been playing that that well, um, and I think LeBron's about a week away. So I do think the Lakers are going to hold on to the five seed. If they play the Nuggets in the first round, if let's assume that the one through four holds, I think they'll beat the Nuggets. So that would give them the the uh, Suns in the second round. No, it would give them the Clippers in the second round, right? With the three four uh, matchup. So, I mean, I think that would probably be again versus the that or the Nets is like the biggest challenge that they could possibly have. I know the the big critique of the Clippers is they're a jump shooting team, right? They don't really get to the line, get to the rack that much. Um, I I just don't think we've really ever seen a plus Clippers versus a plus Lakers. Like even last year, we wanted those matchups didn't happen. Didn't happen. It didn't happen in the playoffs, and even in those regular season matchups, they were always like missing a guy or or something was off. So, I mean, I'm as a Laker fan, like that's my biggest fear is that second round Clippers matchup. But in, in, in a way, I would be most – if they lost to the Clippers, it would be, like, the most frustrating, but also the most – I get it. Like, that's a really good team. So, yeah, I think if they could beat the Clippers in the second round, I actually like them over the Nets more than I like them over the Clippers because of the, because of the rim protection that the Lakers have that the, the Nets just don't have. But that's kind of where I'm at right now. That's my gut call right now. And with the Yankees um, – let me look exactly what their record is right now because 
it's hard to say exactly how many games uh, they'll win. I think they're going to make the playoffs, especially with the expanded playoffs. Um, it's going to be hard for them to not make the playoffs. I don't think the Red Sox are going to win the American League East. Right. Um, I know they're really hitting right now, but uh, I just don't think they have like enough pitching depth, both in their uh, rotation and in their bullpen. Um, okay, the Yankees are 10 and 13. They're, I mean, I could easily see them run off 15 out of 20 at some point. Um, I don't know. I, I it's really the, the yeah, at least it's such a toss up. Um, I, I know it's so early. I think, I think from my standpoint, I would have a hard time betting money on them going far just because, and I know, I know pitching of late has been better, but I just, I don't know how much faith I have in the rotation as a whole. Yeah. At least after um, Cole, I do think they'll hit again. Um, but I don't know. It would be tough for me to bet unless this team just really showed something special that haven't seen in, in a while. It's possible. It's a really long season, but it, w- it would be. I tough. think the, 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 the biggest piece of information that I, that I feel like I have faith in, in the validity of about the Yankees is that playoff series against the Rays, right? Like, I guess they ended up, they ended up losing a Cole game, but they were in it with, with every Cole start. And like, he was great. And we, right. you can rely on Garrett Cole. Right. They got one. I wouldn't rely on it, but they did get a great Monty start. And like, you could, you could get one more out of somebody, but then that's it. It's like, you get Cole, you get maybe one more. And, and that's just not really enough to, to bury teams in the playoffs. Right. So they need another guy to step up and be that second starter. Severino is the wild card, right? If, does he come back in September and just shove? Like that would be huge. That would be and nice. they would be a problem if they're even a wild card team and they and they scrape through. But I mean, it's just there's just so many different moving pieces with the Yankees right now, like that it's hard for me to say, oh yeah, they're gonna they're gonna finish X. I mean, it's just it's a bunch of lottery tickets, right? Like I don't even does Kluber even finish the season? You know, yeah. like the same with Tyon. Like are, these guys could get hurt. I. I I just, I really don't know. I, I'm frustrated with a lot of it, but it's just, it's, it's like reading tea leaves at this point. I just, I don't have a great sense of of where this team will end up. But what do you think? Do you think, do you think they're going to. I, um, I would, I don't, I, I can't bet heavy on them right now. Like if I, if I had to put a, a cap on the amount of games that I think they'll win, I, right now they look very much like a low 90s to high 80s, maybe a 95 win team to me. I don't know where that's I think that's about right. You know what I mean? I don't know where that's yeah. going to sit. Um, but my thing has always been, you know, pitching in the postseason with them and, and situational hitting. Uh, you know, so that's always been something, at least for the past couple of seasons, that I felt like we've lacked a little bit. But, um, I, I, you know, there's still so much time, and I, and I do think that, Hopefully a leader emerges and, and someone that kind of grabs his team, whether it's DJ, Aaron, or, or, or someone. Um, but I, I do think they will improve. And, and then it just matters kind of like, it's also, there is a, there is an element of luck to it too, as well. Like when you, when you are playing well and you get hot and lucky at the right time, it's just, for some reason, it hasn't happened to us 
but uh, on, on some level, if you're playing your best baseball at the end of the season, I think that can take you really far. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's, I mean, yeah, it's all about getting hot at the right time. Even, bigger picture, the Dodgers are too good. Yeah, I don't, no. I don't see anybody beating the Dodgers. Um, I mean, it's like a joke with, with the amount of talent they have. They call up, they call up, you know, a random play. Like I watch a good amount of Dodger games being on the West coast um, as kind of the, the nightcap and they call up a guy you've never heard of and he's hitting bombs. Like they had McKinstry, he gets hurt, call up noisy. He's hitting homers. It just doesn't stop with them. Um, you know, somebody like Dustin May is their fifth starter. It's just, it's just a, that's a tough matchup for anybody. So yeah, usually, usually you think a hot, a team gets hot at the right time. Like the, the 2015 Royals, you know, can, can take you the distance, but I, I just don't even know how you could beat a team like the Dodgers at this point, but it's a very long season. Everything can change. So. It, it's going to be a fascinating story to watch going forward. Um, it, it's you're, you're actually the first person to talk uh, baseball on this podcast. I, I very yeah. appreciated it. Yeah, I, I, I rarely, rarely get to talk Yankees these days, but it was uh, it was definitely good for sure. Um, before we wrap up, Cooper, if you could just tell people where they can find you on Twitter, if there's anything that you're working on right now and you want to promote, please do so. Thanks. Um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Cooper Halpern. Uh, you can read me at uh, Pinstripe Alley, um, writing articles on the Yankees. Um, my next one's going to be about the, the recent Talkman trade. Um, so if you're interested, check it out there. Um, and you can also find me at uh, Silver Screen and Roll every now and then writing about the Lakers. Awesome. Well, listen, uh, once again, thank you so much for stopping by tonight, talking a little bit of hoops and baseball with me. Everyone listening, please do do me a favor. Follow Cooper on Twitter. Read his stuff at Pinstripe Valley, Silver Screen and Roll. For everybody listening, we hope you are staying safe. And we will talk to you soon. Thanks.